Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. On this episode, we speak to Chris Coombs Roberts. Now, something a bit different this week because it was episode 80 uh, on the visual podcast, which is available now on YouTube. Uh, Mr. Wood, Mr. Lloyd Wood, joined me to, to speak to Chris. How are you doing, Lloyd? Yeah, very well, thanks, man. Yeah, very well. It was, uh, it's been interesting conversation with Chris, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing moments. Uh, Chris shared some stories with us during the podcast, which were they were hilarious. And even though we've <laughs> known him for twenty plus years, um, we didn't know some of them, which was really really cool. Um, and obviously some of his heroes in the guitar world as well. Um, but more importantly, I don't think we've seen Chris properly, myself and you, since two nineteen. Yeah, it was two thousand and nineteen when we played them in Shepherd's Bush Empire. They, they're back uh, and they're doing a tour in January. So, great. I, I really enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it tonight, mate? Yeah, man. It was, uh, it's always good to talk to Chris. I mean, he, he, you know, even when you just have a pint of him, like we have done over the years, he's such a funny but intelligent character. You know, it's, um, it's always a good conversation with him and, he, and he, he's a really good top guy, you know. So, you know, good guy all around. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, it's been cool, man, and it was good. Uh, it was it was different tonight. Like I said, many episodes mm-hmm. of Mr. Greenall, um, but we shall get into it. Strap in. This is Crowcast <laughs> Podcast. We Yeah, come on, let's do it, man, let's do it. Let's, let's have a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, crew, family, welcome the guitar maestro himself, Mr. Chris Coombs-Roberts. How's it going, guys? Hey, hey, hey. Chris. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, all good, man. Kind of uh, enjoying that T-shirt there. Yeah, it's wicked, <laughs> isn't it, dude? It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah, they were on about it in the camp, and... Um, when we started Crowcast, we started doing like random episodes. Like obviously, some of them fell around Halloween, etc. And last year, we had—I uh, don't know if you know him—Richard Oakes and Adam Leader. Um, they're brilliant. Work for a company called Dark Fable. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, they had their own like horror film out, which absolutely shit me up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did, man. Honestly, I don't do horror very well. So we played like the trailer and that. And then uh, we did we did games with everybody in the chat room, like Trick or Treat. And, um, yeah, it was great for some people. For me, I was fucking bag of sweat at the time I left you, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not good with Halloween, dude. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm more, uh, I'm more Pixar than, uh, than anything else. T- totally, man, honestly. Although last year I did embrace it for the first time. Um it wasn't a great experience, but it was. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I watched a few horror films with the family. Um, kids are old enough now to, to watch them as well. So it was, um, we were watching them, and it was like, fuck, I was, you know, screaming the house down, which made it a great watch for them. Um, and then, yeah, before I went to bed, everybody was like, oh, right, tired now. You know, they'd sweet it up and everything. Wicked, off you went, off they went. And the first thing I did was put a fucking Toy Story on or something like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice bedtime story. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh man. So where where are you at at the moment, Chris? Uh, I'm at home. I'm in uh, Southeast London. 
Ah, tidy, mate. Tidy. Yeah. Been here for the last 15 years, I think. So. Has it been that long? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, oh, only meant oh, to move wow, here for a year. Back. One year and, uh, yeah, decade and a half later, I'm still here. Christ, how'd you find the move? Um, I don't know. It was so long ago, man. <laughs> like, yeah, you've just completely adapted now. You don't miss home or... Oh, I miss home, definitely. The uh, I think particularly over like the last kind of 18 months, it's been, obviously things have been really difficult, haven't they? So kind of being away from uh, from like all my family, from kind of all my mates and everything, it's sort of, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably the only time uh, that I've been up here that I've actually felt like London is far away. Yeah, so, but, but yeah, generally well. speaking, yeah, it's kind of, I, I love being here, I love living in London. It's a... Uh, <clears throat> busy which is nice yeah i mean loads of people have asked me how would i you know would i love to move to london and stuff i i've always found since we were kids man and we'll get into that like we've always visited um london whether it be playing in bands um but never been somewhere that appeals to me and it's only taken lockdown for me to realize how much i appreciate where i live as well if that makes sense it was like you know, it was a time for everybody to see see what was around them. And we were really fortunate, bro, as you know, like I'm, I'm surrounded by like mountains and bloody, the, the, the ocean's only like a 15 minute drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I only really recognized that because if you put it up on a social, I almost had to kind of lay back on the post. I felt, fuck, this could be like upsetting somebody if that makes sense. Because especially if they're more isolated and there's not a lot around them, like, you know, so I was quite conscious on that. Yeah, man, it's a, um, it's a weird one because it's like... Uh, Obviously, been within kind of where I live in London, it's it's very very urban, very kind of like it's the suburbs, but it's still very built up. But we've got like and we're quite lucky because there's a lot of like green open parks near us. I'm like I'm near Crystal Palace. Uh, I literally live opposite the park, so it's kind of for me. I, I've had some green areas that I can escape to. Um, yeah. Not quite like you know the the valleys and the rivers that I grew up around, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, were you were you busy on the old guitar, or um, did you find anything else to keep yourself busy? Or well, I just had a kid, man. So yeah, it was uh, my boy was like, I think he was two months old when lockdown happened. So yeah, he kept oh, me he kept me busy definitely. It was uh, it was that thing of you know people always say that when you become a parent, you know, expect your life to change. I didn't expect the world to change as well, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that definitely took my mind off things for well pretty much for as long as he's been here <laughs> so oh man are you are you wow. living it yeah living the, yeah, the oh, man. sleep are you having sleepless nights or, or does he sleep uh, well or uh yeah on and off i'd say he's uh, <laughs> he's, he's pretty good but he's yeah he's uh no he's amazing the best thing i'd ever done like literally best thing ever to happen to me Oh, that's amazing, bro. That's absolutely amazing. Like you said, it's a bizarre, bizarre time. Incredible, but probably, man. Probably beautiful as well, because, like, I know other people who've had babies, um, you know, during this this mad period, but they got more time to spend together and more more time to kind of have that bond, like, you know, because some families are not as lucky, you know, they don't get that, like whether one person has to leave um, or both in some cases, like, you know. Yeah, man, totally. I, I kind of I had my uh, I had my paternity leave, and uh, we went into lockdown, and I had like three months of them. So it was like pretty much the first three months of his life I got to spend every day with him, which you know most parents don't get to do, right? 
completely. I, I mean, when I was a dad first time round, I think I think I had like a week off. Um, there was none of this, and I think that was like I don't even think it was because um, it's called it's dads get the, the parental rights now, don't they? As in, like you get um, paternity leave, don't you? Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was around then, like, you know, I think oh. it was more yeah. you take off a few weeks because, like, especially where we're from, and I don't mind seeing it, it'd be, what are you taking that amount of time off here? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, bloody, yeah. a bloody woman's job, that is, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, man. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously evolved from that now, like, oh. you know, but the mm. old school... And I thought uh, off back to work. <laughs> yeah, any more than that. It's like your foreman or anybody you work with, especially the old school workers, be like, Jesus Christ, man, hey, give it a couple of weeks and he'd be, he'd be ready to work himself. You, know what? <laughs> you, ain't, you, you ain't got a job left. Uh, oh, man. Oh, that's, that's good, that's, though, man. That's amazing. You've got to spend all that time. That's, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but the other side, I, I did, yeah, I guess, yeah, like to answer the question, I did get to play guitar a lot more, which is great. It's kind of, uh, it's probably been the first point since, I guess, like funeral stopped being a band that mm-hmm. I actually had like time where I could actually just go into a room, sit down, pick up a guitar and play, which was, uh, yeah, which is amazing because it's the first time that I've done it without having to think about writing for funeral, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's like... It, it was the first time to pick up my guitar in pretty much like the best part of well five years, I guess, and it'd be just about enjoying playing, not trying to write to to do anything with the idea of it turning into something for for the band or for anything else. So I kind of found my love of of playing guitar, I guess, again. That's amazing to hear that. There's been a few people who've said the same as that, bro, because mm. especially how long, um, I mean, it's going to be 20 years just for Funeral for a Friend, um, which you're going to be celebrating the anniversary soon, which is inc- that's incredible when we heard that number. It's just like, wow. 20 like, you know? years, man. 20 years. Yeah. Mate, I'm, so I'm 40, which is like that. It's half my life. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Utterly crazy to think. It's unreal because I know it's like it's your life and it's your journey because we always say that with the band. But, you know, when you're a fan of the band or if you've been around the bands, you kind of, even when we hear that number, we're like, what? You know, 20 20 years because it genuinely, which, you know, we'll probably build up to that now. It it literally does feel like yesterday or some of the the key points or the, you know, the Kerrang moments, which you'll probably take us on that journey. It's incredible of of like how much has happened, but yet again, they only seem not so long ago. Like, you know, it's mad. Like, yeah, totally. I think there's uh, definitely elements of things where it's, if I, when I think about it, it feels like it happened seconds ago, but then there's Mm. like another side to it where it's obviously, it's like, if I think of everything which has happened in between, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely been 20 years. (laughs) Unreal, dude. And we'll we'll get to what you've been up to lately because that's been immense. I've just seen some of the the videos and photos online. Um, but how did it start for you, Chris? Because like everyone's got their own story and their own journey. How how did you start playing guitar, dude? Um, I kind of well, I've got a, an elder brother, uh, Lee. I think you know my brother Lee actually. Yeah, yeah. you get called t- well, He's been tattooed in the studio a lot. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of when I was a, uh, I guess when I was kind of probably around like seven or eight so quite you know at that point we start 
getting influenced about around like the things which are happening around you and things that you hear. Mm-hmm. He was like massively into like Guns N' Roses, Black Sabbath, kind of into rock music, and he'd always come in and put music on. So I think like kind of my first introduction was through hearing like the music that my oldest brother listened to. There's 14 years between us as well. So I think that kind of without without him, I probably wouldn't have been that interested in music. It's just that, you know, he had, he had a mullet as well, my brother, so he looked cool as hell, <laughs> you know, in the 80s, yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he had a proper, proper mullet. Yeah, rode a motorcycle, he was, he was all in, dude. <laughs> so, for, uh, yeah, and then I guess that uh, you kind of, you go to school and sort of, in school you meet kind of, people who were into the same things as you. I can remember uh, kind of getting to the point of like begging my dad to basically buy me a guitar being like, you know, I, I really want to learn. Can I have a guitar? And him saying no, because I, I don't blame him in all fairness. I wanted to do karate. I did it to like a gi. As soon as I had a gi and I looked cool, that was it. I had the costume, didn't want to do it anymore. So pretty much everything I'd been into, I kind of, I, I, I'd lost interest in it very quickly. So it probably took me for, I think it was about two years. It was like from nine till I was about 11, just begging him to buy to buy me a guitar. And he eventually did. And then mm-hmm. I've got, got another brother, Kerry, who, again, has been tattooed at the studio. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's quite competitive. So when I started learning and he started learning, it kind of, it was a thing of trying to outdo each other all the time. So it's kind of, yeah, my siblings, I think. My my brothers, uh, the two people who pretty much got me into music. I love that. That's great. I didn't know that yeah. as well because I've spoken yeah. to your brothers loads um, and especially didn't know that he had a mullet going on. So I'm going to have to see a oh, picture yeah. of that, man. Jesus. Yeah. God. He apparently had a very, 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 very bad uh, highlighting job, which looked like he had a Davy Crockett hat on. Him. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> This is oh, incredible. Tell us man. more. Oh. Yeah, I'll stop so, there. Like, so was that, what age was that around? Sorry, Chris. Uh, it probably like, it would have been from, I started playing at 11. So I was 11 right. when I got my first guitar, but I can remember uh, like really getting into like Guns N' Roses and sort of listening to Black Sabbath probably from like, I'd probably say seven, like with uh, probably my earliest memories. That's really cool. That's really cool, and that, that progressed into school. Then, obviously, was it when you were like jamming as we as we all did when you start meeting fellow like musos? Like, yeah, definitely. It's like uh, well, I can remember my my first concert was a school I started. Yeah, I think I played uh, played Basket Case by Green Day. I think it was with uh, no drummer, mind, because there was no drummers in my school because drums are expensive, right? And if you're yeah. going back, going back to the '90s, that's like you know, it, it, it's not something you're giving your kid. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, yeah. So, yeah, but the same thing, kind of like meeting friends in school, kind of getting into. Uh, it's kind of the, those those gateway bands. So it's like it was Guns and Roses, Nirvana, Green Day, and then kind of Metallica, and then that went to Pantera, Slayer, Morbid Angel. You know, kind of, it, it just kind of, you go down the rabbit hole at that point. You know, and yeah. the more the more extreme, more the better when you're a teenager. So, yeah, yeah. yeah but definitely it was like uh, all the people that kind of, I 
a kind of uh, a friend, Jason Bromf or Jason Bromfield, and kind of he was played piano but played guitar, really good player, and kind of had the ability to figure things out by ear. So just spent like a lot of time when I was younger, kind of like playing with him and he'd learn Slayer songs and show me Slayer songs. And then kind of obviously the, the big one I think would be the point that I went to college and kind of started going to the jam nights in Bridgent. And I think that was the kind of, I think pretty much every band from Bridgent comes from those nights of the welcome. We we always talk about them, dude. I mean, the original ones. Did you manage to go to like uh, Trumps? Yeah, yeah, dude. I can yes. never play, never played, but I was there. <laughs> yeah, see, see. Um, so if I say that to certain people, they're like, "Oh, I didn't. I must have missed that one." That's like, that was the original kind of like bedding of the jam night. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It was um a place that anybody who knows it in the Bridgend area or have been a place called Trumps, and um and then obviously that went on the welcome, like you said, bro, and then. We've seen so many bands through there with your, your Jeff Gill Johns who went on to be Bullets and Mungrels, yeah. and it's incredible. And the, the circuit of mates, you know, that's how I would have seen you. That's how I would have seen other people. Whether you knew them or even had a 20-minute conversation, you might have jammed with them once or, you know, it's such a great scene at that time, like. Yeah, it's just what I think it was quite... Sorry, throw my wire around, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was... Uh, you're quite lucky, I think, that kind of the at the time it was such a creative area, mm. and I, it's like it kind of. I don't want to say it in the sense of putting putting the like Wales down or where I'm from down, but yeah. there's definitely an element of you could either do music or you could play rugby or you did drugs, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's like they were your options, and it sort of. To me, it kind of feels like the the entire music scene sort of was a a, a bit of a kind of a, a home away from home from kind of everything that I personally loved, everything that I was interested in, the community, which was very kind of embracing. And, you know, we had like, we had adults with people like Phil who were very encouraging to try yeah. and kind of, you know, push you with, with the things that you liked and saying, oh, you know, you're, you're good at this, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, look, the bastard talked me into uh, when we did the welcome jam. He was like, "All right, love." Um, he goes, uh, you, "You wouldn't bring your kit, would you?" I was like, "Oh, oh, I don't know, Phil. Oh, come on, love. I, I'll give you a couple of quid." And like back then as well, you're like, "Fucking, hell, that's not bad. Eh? I'll get a couple of quid." Until I remember um, a band called Spurious. And yeah. their, fucking, their drummer used to get up. I can't remember the cover. I th- I'm pretty sure it was. Um, Sepatura or something. I can't remember. It was just fucking something ferocious. And he used to get up and stand up Lloyd and he'd basically like he'd batter my toms like that. <laughs> and that happened once. And then on the That's second a nice jam, like, as well, isn't it? Up, up they get this band and they they're fucking incredible musicians. Absolutely incredible ace musicians. <laughs> up they get again and it gets to that part of the song and up the drummer gets and I just remember running to the end going Fucking sit down. Because <laughs> <Sit down. laughs> I was I was just like petrified because like you know, like you said, drum kits are expensive, or even fucking skins back end. Like if you're not paying for them, which I was paying for them, it was like Jesus Christ, like, you know, and I just watched him pit in my my bloody toms, like, you know. But but yet again, now I look back, I think, wow, they're amazing memories and 
everyone thought they were playing to Wembley. Like, do you know what I mean? If you got a good response there, it was just like, this is oh, a yeah. vibe. Like, it's a real cool vibe. Yeah, it definitely give you the uh, the confidence to kind of like push on and sort of. It was it's, it was the competition aspect as well, trying to kind of outdo everybody who would be playing. It's like there was a thing of like whatever we do this week, it's got to be it's got to be more complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I definitely agree. There, I remember some bands, including myself, would turn up and it'd be very chord esque um or you know melodies and you'd think you know all right cool banging a few harmonies brilliant and you and then all of a sudden somebody turn up and start shredding um and then from a mm-hmm. from a drumming i don't know who it was for the guitar but i just remember those more technical drummers started kicking in then with fuck he's got two feet going now <laughs> like, yeah. shit. And, and honestly lloyd it became like it was wicked I it was a game beer yeah, but it was good. Like Chris said, it was really good times because it was a healthy growth. It was um, mm. everybody supported everybody as well because mm. those gigs kind of they they kind of moved on to your whether it be your football clubs, a toll house, um, and like a scene started happening. And and I've said this to like Jamie and other people on this crowdcast of how they would come into Bridgend then, so people came from further to become part of of that scene. Like you know the. Mm-hmm. Which which was a beautiful sight, man. I don't know if you you seen the same or you met people then. Is that is that how you start to kind of more segue into your funeral for a friend or yeah, kind of? It's uh, I think that like the funeral thing pretty much kind of uh, when I went to Neath College. So kind of it's because weirdly I went to Neath. I didn't go to Bridgend, but uh, Ollie who went to uh, to Neath was obviously from Bridgend, so knew about the jam night. So, kind of through him, we ended up going to the jam nights. I then ended up meeting Mike Davis, you know, and kind of forming my first band. Mike. And then, weirdly, I ended up meeting uh, Johnny Phillips. And it was kind of like through right. the breakup of, I think, of Mungrel, the breakup of my band. It was that Johnny started talking about wanting to do kind of, you know, something else wanted to do a band, wanted to, and he had like very kind of like grand ideas of everything because like Johnny's a very ambitious person, you know? And yeah, it was kind of, I remember meeting him, talking about stuff and originally he was going to play guitar and then uh, somehow, I don't know, we ended up back on drums, I ended up with Andy who I knew from going to shows at TJ's and Newport and kind of all of a sudden it was like, Funeral kind of came about the like through just kind of I guess it's like you meet people who who have acquaintances who they're like oh they can do that they can do that and then suddenly it's like I was in a band called January Thirst and it was yeah it was we had two totally different funeral like kind of more along the lines of Dillinger way more kind of extreme in the idea of what the band was going to be and then uh, Mike left. Uh, obviously right. Mevs or Matthew Evans was in the band and he was really good friends with Matt. Now I knew Matt, I'd seen him loads. He was this guy who sold CDs out of a briefcase at shows, you know, yeah. it's kind of always very quiet. Uh, I knew he ran a, a record store or he's opening a record store in my stake. And like, you know, Mev said that he was going to bring him along. Like, uh, you know, have him try out to be our second vocalist. And I expect him to come in and start like, shouting his head off like like what Mike did and like kind of you know everything that the 
that we were kind of building towards and he came in and started singing uh, and i can remember just being like remember the first time i heard him sing it was just it completely changed my idea about what we could do right because it, it's like you know we, um it's really weird because it seems like wales now was abundant with like really really good vocalists yeah yeah you know but I can remember back in the day, it was almost as if like any people were way too scared to even attempt singing. And I can remember hearing him and just being like, "Oh wow, this is like, this is an opportunity to do something that you know I, I didn't know there was anybody in my local area who was capable of doing what Matt is doing." Um, yeah, and he, he came and we wrote, uh, we pretty much like wrote ten forty five on our all right our first ever kind of band practice. Wow. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I remember kind of we had this thing where we had to, had to go out to the room to have a conversation, like leave him in the church hall. And it was like, right, we're all going to have a chat now to see if he's going to join the band. And we walked out the room and I was just like, obviously he's joining the fucking band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why are we even having this conversation? Like, why, like? Why, why have we walked? Why have we left? Why have we left him on his own? There's, there's no point, you know? <laughs> I love that. Oh, that. That's typical of when we were younger, wasn't it? Like, you know, of mm-hmm. um, serious band chats or where you want to take oh, yeah. the band or playing gig or, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Oh, this is a business. <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to take the serious. We're taking the serious. We're going to talk about you when you're not here. You know, that's, that, that's the se- how serious we are. we got to go outside to, to agree on you joining the band yeah. which we've all agreed on <laughs> by smiling in the room with you i tell you what it was bro we all grew up on goonies man so you had to all form a pack <laughs> you had to form a pack you had to do the the quiet yeah. voice which weren't really a fucking quiet voice like you know uh and then mm-hmm. go back in and go yeah 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 you're in you're in like you know and yeah, uh, you want it. not not sell it like you know don't mess yeah. this up though this is yeah. your chance you're lucky to be here, right? My neck's on the line for this. <laughs> yeah. oh, we, don't need, we don't need you. You've got loads <laughs> of other people wanting to be here. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, well, oh, brilliant. Uh, that, obviously, that's how you kind of segued into funeral. I mean, mm-hmm. my I, I said it to Ryan when he was on my first um, encounter with you boys as a band was Darren being a DJ in the Molsters. Um and the next thing you know, I remember him saying, yeah, man, that's cool. I did a gig. And he was like, oh, you'll have to come and play a gig with us, as we all used to do if you've seen any mm-hmm. band. Come and play a gig. Next thing you know, bang, you're, you're, you're fucking signed. You're, you're in Tesco. <laughs> I remember doing my fucking <laughs> shop, shopping. And I don't mean like bumping into you. Your CD is there in Tesco, like, um, which would have been around the time where you would have gone into them as well. Is that right, Lloyd? Or... Lloyd? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, would that have been around the time, around 2003, 2004, when you got into the boys as well? Say that no, again, buddy. My, my internet jittered a bit then. Say that again. Oh, sorry. Would that, would that have been around the time where you got into the, the boys as well? I said, um, basically, like Chris said, how they segued into the funeral. I said, give or take a bit of time. And I know, like, obviously a tweak with the members and Ryan joining and stuff. I said, uh, I remember bumping into Darren. Um, and saying about doing gigs together, and the next thing you know, I see their CD in Tesco's because they just fucking blew up. Um, it all just happened, like that, you know. So that would have been around casually dressed. Yes. Um, two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, I mean that that was when that was my time of getting into like your emo and funeral or one of the, one of them bands where wherever you looked, everybody was wearing a funeral hoodie, man. 
everyone in Bridgend. You go to a rec gig on a Friday, everyone was in funeral clothes, man. It was uh, you, you were you were the band, like you know, it was yeah, it was great. You were from Bridgend, Wales. It's mental because I, I kind of I remember doing uh, doing the EPs because yeah. uh, I remember kind of. Uh, my brother left the band just before uh, we went in to do the first EP, and then obviously kind of Darren, uh, Darren joined the band. And for me, that was like, uh, I've always had a good thing with uh, writing with Darren where we're, we're totally different players. So we're kind of like yin and yang, and he kind of somehow manages to find space in all of the cluttered ideas that I kind of throw at him. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, but I can remember kind of it. You know, we did. We originally went in just to do a demo, and it was like the idea was that we had terrible gear. We were rehearsing in church all, couldn't hear anything at all, and then we actually kind of went into the studio and recorded. And suddenly, that got released, and it it literally snowballed so quickly. Yeah, I. It was like I can remember being in bands and trying to do things and things never working and never being able to get shows. And then all of a sudden it was just like yeah. having so much opportunity that we're, we're having to say no to things. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which is unreal. But then, yeah, obviously the casually, as soon as we kind of got to the, it kind of, I can remember doing uh recording casually dress. I remember when we were writing for it and I can remember thinking that like, you know, everything we were doing was like, it had been so promising, it had been so good. And I was like, you know, if, if this album doesn't do anything, then I've still had the most amazing time kind of with, with like getting to this point. And then, yeah, yeah. it kind of, it got released and everything just went, seemed to go mental. <laughs> it was like, I, I can remember kind of having a meeting with, uh, with our management and kind of like, basically talking about you know the the plans for the band and it was like suddenly it was like the next two years of my life were just like completely mapped out it was like this is what what you're going to be doing this is where you're going to be and i can remember being like quite terrified by it all that's cool that is to yeah, hear that because yeah. a lot of people are like that... you'd think yeah be amazed but it is a scary you know i've had a, close dear friends the same as yourself have said the same thing when when you do realize it's two years especially back then as well because it was a different industry as well mm-hmm. um so you were what i call like the proper old school circuit of you you pro, you did a you did an album it wasn't so throwaway like that's no disre- yeah. disrespect to any well, fans was, now but everything was moves a lot quicker media. There was no social media back then. You, I think MySpace just was in its infancy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I can remember it's like there was a thing of, you know, going out um, supporting bands and it just seemed to be like, you know, the first kind of couple of shows that we do, we, we'd go out and we'd do like a run of like, we do, you know, four dates with someone. And then I can remember the first like proper tour we did, we did with Phony. Yeah, yeah. You remember the band Phony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that was amazing because I think that was like I think that run was about three and a half weeks. I think I went all over the UK. Right. It was like you know the first time that I I'd been to like I'd been to Scotland. I'd been kind of pretty much the first time I'd been to most of the places in the UK. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely kind of there was this thing of things felt quite like they could grow quite organically still. 
you know, you play with mm-hmm. bands, you, you know, you, they, their fans would like you, you then kind of go out, you play with other bands, you get more fans and eventually you do your own shows where now it all feels a little bit kind of, I don't know, it feels, it feels so different to that. It's almost like there's a, a thing of, you know, uh, I keep saying this like to people about guitarists because I, I, I work in a guitar shop, you know, what I do now day to day, I, I sell guitars and <laughs> you know, the, the whole idea of buying a guitar when I was younger was that you wanted to be in a band and you wanted to write music and you wanted to tour and you wanted to kind of write records and you know, you wanted to have that experience where now it's like you buy a guitar because you want like 2 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's such a, a, a different yeah. thing. It's, yeah. Sorry, digressing there, sorry. <laughs> no, but it's a fair point, man, because I think it's such a different era now, man. You, you, you've just hit the nail on the head because we've talked about that in, in our band. You can only refer it back to yourself and your band, but why are you doing this? Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. that question. Why am I wanting to go around the world or spend less time with the people you love. Um, and, and, and it is, it's going back that root moment. So that's incredible advice, man. It's why did you fall in love with a guitar? It, it, it was, you wanted to be in a band, you wanted to create something and you wanted to, mm-hmm. to go and play, play that music to people to like, a, you know, that, that connection yeah, yeah. to the world. But, but you are yeah. right. It's become now because, because I want to be famous or I want to, I want to have 2 million followers or um, there's, there's no, there's no but thought man, of the connection, like, you know? But, but there's also that thing where there's there's nothing wrong with that because there's a thing of wanting to be so professional at what you do that you are, you're kind of, you're in the elite of what you yeah. do. Yes. It's just, yeah. to me, it seems like, um, I think it was uh, Matteo Sassato recently, like, shut all his social media pages down, right? And, like, he was probably, like, one of the most followed, like, guitarists on Instagram. And he was saying that the reason he did it is that he just moved so far away from what he had initially set out wanting to do while, you know, with playing guitar. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's such a strange thing. It's kind of, I think at the end, like for me, I think it's uh, that aspect of how everything's so much easier to do. You, know, you can, you know, you can record very good sounding songs in your bedroom. You know, yeah. you, you don't have to know a drummer to get good drums. You know, there are, there are kind of programs you can buy. There are things you can yeah, set out. Yeah, and it's like you can write the song without anybody else's kind of influence on it. Where I think the kind of the the whole beauty of like, you know, the period of time that we were talking about is that everything that we you did, you have to share with someone because you have to rely on somebody else to be able to do, you know, that other musical kind of, to have musical input in order to make you a song. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that connection that bounce off that vibe. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like when people, it's an energy, you know, you in a, in a room with, with someone and it's a creativeness. It's, it's a relationship. Yeah. yeah man, totally. There's definitely like, like when we weren't jamming in it, Chris, it, it'd be the case of when you're not a jam night, you'd be watching bands. Yeah. You were totally. like, you were living it constantly back then. So mm-hmm. it was almost like indulging 
um, in everything that was brilliant and leveling you up constantly because you'd watch a guitarist or you'd watch a drummer or a bass player or, and you'd always want to, mm. like you said, you'd always want to raise that bar. Oh, have you seen yeah. such and such from that band? Fucking hell, they've, they've got a wicked guitarist now or they've got a wicked drummer or, oh man, they did a brilliant set the other day so there'd always be something pushing you. So I do see what you mean where you can create all this incredible fucking you know an album's worth of of unreal material from a, a drummer you've never met because he's programmed um <laughs> and, and obedient you know, though really yeah. obedient does exactly what oh, you I. bastards <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can turn it's, him down. It's not, i tell you what it's not great for some people's um psyche as well because i i used to listen to some of the program drums and you'd be like fuck that's that's ferocious, or that's oh wow, and you'd forget that some drummers actually make them so hard to play that you, you know yeah. you have to be at that elite level to, but there's still not the feel or the or the swing that you might get in a room jamming together, like you know. Or... Yeah, yeah, totally. I think there's that there's definitely that aspect that thing of being in a band where like uh, I know you guys have it. It's like the first time you hear something that you've created back, and mm-hmm. you're you're the only people in the world that have heard it. You know, that that's like, for me, that was the best thing about being in a band, was like whenever we wrote the song, I can remember like kind of the only way to be able to hear it was for us to be together to play it. Yeah. You know, and like that, I just remember kind of like, you know, uh, certain songs I remember like doing Roses with the Dead and I can remember kind of coming out of the rehearsal rooms in uh, the old music box which was in uh, I think it was in Splot was it not Splot yeah Canton wasn't it yeah yeah I can remember leaving uh, leaving the rehearsal space and just being like I really want to hear again but I have to be with the rest of the boys in the band to hear it because it's like it's not something I've, I've we've recorded and it's like yeah there's Something special about that, I think. Yeah, not fifteen thousand groups going on every application at the moment. You'd yeah. have to, you'd have yeah. to pick up the phone and <laughs> do you want to jam? <laughs> and and, 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 and everybody has, remember their part. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that getting together, like you said, that's so that's so crucial because it wasn't so accessible. Like you know, when mm-hmm. now we write something, and um, same for you, you can ping it over from London, or um, you can ping it to anybody else in in in, in a different country and pick off where you've left off like you know and add your your thing to that like you know and the next yeah, thing you know, yeah. it's still cool i mean I, I i admire a lot of bands who do that and especially when they spread out so so far um but you still you know if you've grown up like we have and, and a lot of musos we speak to you still can't beat that in the in the room vibe like because it only takes one person to say oh why when you when you go there instead of there mm-hmm. and then that one change that one moment, everybody's fucking beaming and going, oh, yeah. oh, that's the one, like, you know? Yeah, so... totally. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely, I think, the uh, that that aspect of kind of, you know, it's direct conversation when you do something and somebody doesn't like it as well. And it's like they, they're not careful about how they, they kind of put their words because yeah. they it's, it's reactive. The thing is you've done something, and particularly if it's something which somebody feels very passionate about and you've done something they dislike to something mm. they care about. It's like such a reactive, just in, instantaneous kind of response. It's just like, no, nope, that's that shit. Don't do that. You know, over, uh, over kind of email, I can be a little bit more like, Oh, you know, yeah. Kind of like where you go in, but maybe, 
maybe try a bit harder kind of thing. You know, the arguments are quite good, I think. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> If anything, I actually find the new world with the, the, the text in fucking worse because I can really misread a text and I'm like... Oh, oh there's, there's no emotion to, to words in terms yeah. of text. Well, the emotion is your mood. Face. But it's your mood, right? It's how you feel at the time. If you're pissed off, you could read like the, the most well-known yeah. text on earth and it sounds confrontational. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's his fucking many of though? arguments, yeah. <laughs> many of arguments, which don't actually need to happen. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I mean, up up until two sixteen, mate, the amount of moments has happened to yourself and the boys. Obviously, before you got back together in two nineteen, it's just it's unreal. Like I said earlier, you know, front page of Kerrang. I I don't know how many times. Yeah. Which is yet again, if we go back to the comp, that's like the the dream to be on the front of a mag. Yep. Um, supporting some of the biggest bands ever in, in, in history, like, you know? So if you put that down, it to sell as many records as you boys have done and, and tour globally is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like, you know, do you, when you were sitting there between the 216 and 219, did that sink in finally when the roller coaster kind of stopped for a little bit? and Or did um, it hit you before that? Or No, I think kind of... Uh... I don't know, it's a weird one because like you I think that before we did Refuneral, we were we were very much a bubble. You know, there's kind of like you're constantly traveling, you have the same people who are going out with you. It's kind of like there's a, a family kind of around you. Yeah. Man. So it like no matter how kind of like absurd the experience seemed to be, like for where we were from and the fact that like we were playing with Iron Maiden, do you know what I mean? It's like somehow we seemed totally normal because of uh, we had the same group of people around us all the time. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel that like at the point that the, I think that when the band split up, the only thing I can remember thinking was that like the day after was we did the last show uh, and it was at the forum and it was such a high, all my, uh, all my family had come down for it. And then I can remember waking up the next day and it was the first point in like 16 years I'd been unemployed. <laughs> and it was like, and I think the kind of, I I remember kind of coming home after it and sort of like sitting down in my in my flat at the time and just being like, wow, I'm, it, it was almost like, it, it was almost like breaking up with someone or disassoci- disassociating myself with kind of such a, a big part of what people kind of, I guess, what they, they link to me, you know, mm-hmm. to, to loads of people. If they, they, they say, oh, do you know Chris? They'll say, do you know Chris Funeral or Chris Faf, you know, and kind of suddenly Funeral don't exist anymore. And I can remember kind of just being like, I feel a bit weird. And I can remember going to the pub. I sat in my local and I had a pint. And I can remember having this moment where, I thought about everything the band had done and I was just like, I can't believe that, that, that I've done that. It was like a, a really overwhelming kind of like thinking back to, to things like, uh, first of all, playing with like Boy Sides Fire or a band who I absolutely mm. adored when I was younger. Then obviously playing with Maiden who are like one of my big, biggest influences as a guitarist to, like traveling the world, I, I pretty much, I, I'd never, I'd been on a plane once before 
like kind of you know funeral became a band and then the second flight ever the second flight I ever did was going to to tour the US. I flew to to New York, you know, and that's that all that we. Amazing, isn't it? But that tour that we did as well was like the lineup was incredible. It was from Autumn to Ashes, Cave In, Every Time I Die, and Us, and it was just like the, you know bands that I loved at the time. And I remember just like you know almost like pinching myself that like the fact that at the time while I was doing it, it was like. I don't know. I think the, I think I appreciated everything more when it stopped, because of yeah. the fact mm-hmm. that I I didn't have to worry about it stopping anymore. There's always this point where you're doing something that you're always worried about it ending, and you're always thinking, right? Well, I'm I'm not going to think about it too much because it could all stop tomorrow. And then the point that it's all over, you actually sit down, and you look at it, and it was like, you know, we had. Yeah, it was incredible what we done. Absolutely incredible. I'm probably, yeah, so lucky. I feel like I've lived about 10 lifetimes from being in that band. Yeah, I mean, it's immense. I mean, even just even just some of the accolades I, I just mentioned, it doesn't even scratch the surface of the awards you won. Um, so like you said, from from bands that you admired uh, of that time as well and your favourite bands to, to bands which generations have admired for years. Like, you know, that's, it's, and that that's why I always wanted to know that, you know, when, when it's kind of like you're on that break or right, you know, we're going to, we're going to step away from this at the moment. Cause I know what it's like being in a band and I know what other bands have said. You're always looking what's next. Or like you said, you're in that two year schedule, right. And then you're out of that two year schedule and you're on the next record, mm-hmm. another two years. And all of a sudden, bang, 10 years are gone, bang, 12 years are gone Four, you know what I mean? Um, and it's it's appreciating those moments as well, if that makes sense. And you boys had it so impactful, or from from a viewer, I don't know how you you think, Lloyd, but it definitely came across that way to to us as like music lovers, oh. because you you'd buy the record, then you'd see that you were you you're on this tour. Oh wow, the boys are going out to Australia. Oh wow, the boys are oh Christ, they're in Reading. Oh shit, now they're in Download. Oh wow, now they're doing this. Now they're doing that, and. Time is flying, but for you, it's just constant fucking wow news. You know what I mean? Or your job, as it is, like you know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a weird one. I can remember kind of like, as I was saying, when you you'd we'd sit down, we'd have these meetings, and like you'd have like the plan laid out in front of you, and then you'd have a couple of weeks which were like, all right, we got a bit of time off there, and then kind of as that time came round that time wasn't time off anymore you were doing something else yeah and it's yeah. but it, i can remember just like everything being like particularly when we started just everything being so exciting yeah and then it's kind of uh there's no pressure is there like when you haven't done anything there's there's nothing to live up to and then i can remember after the first album it just everything started to feel like you know this is it's all a lot more serious than it was before this is real, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, was was there any moments you look back and um, or at, at the time where there was like guitar gods or a musician that you'd look on the side of the stage or you'd met him somewhere or something and think, "Fuck, you know, that just happened." Like, oh man, uh, well, like I'm a massive Pantera fan, like huge, huge Pantera fan, and um, like. I can remember we were, I think it was the Metal Hammer Awards. And, uh, like, 
we were walking in and there's like the a queue and you have your pictures taken and then like suddenly kind of uh behind us it was like damage plan so it was like Dimebag was kind of like two kind of like two bands behind us i remember looking back and being like oh my god that's that's Dimebag daryl and just being like fucking hell he's tiny he's like really short yeah. and then just and like that that wasn't my image of him at all like the man's yeah. monked in you know he's a, 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 a giant but uh yeah and then i can remember like we were walking in and we were like waiting to go into the the area where you have to show your wristband and everything else and somebody was tapping me on my shoulder and i thought it was one of the boys like doing the thing of like tap you on the shoulder you turn around and they've gone to the other side so i can remember turning around just being like fuck off <laughs> and uh it was dying by daryl and, and, and he was absolutely battered like he was so wasted and he was he was talking about how it's like he's like basically asking me how do i get in he was like telling me i i can't i can't come in here because the bands were red and he had a bit of red ribbon or like cloth, like just cotton tied around his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember, uh, I can remember me, Ryan and Darren just being like to the, the security guard. We were like, you've, you've got to let this guy in because if you don't like, he's, he's definitely going to have won something tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just like, yeah, him just going in wasted, just being like, yeah. <laughs> so not even playing on stage that was like just uh yeah an award ceremony but that that's like i think that's the most starstruck i've ever been like i can remember uh like obviously playing with me was was incredible but like before we toured with them because we had signed the sanctuary we had actually met quite a few of them yeah kind of right. beforehand sorry my dog is digging the sofa at the moment if you can do that in the back <laughs> jess it's all right, mate. That's a running theme on you. There's been a few <laughs> guests where their dogs make appearances. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but no, but because we had signed the sanctuary, we had uh, we had like met quite a few with the guys and mate at the offices and sort of spoke mm-hmm. to them. So when we we kind of went on that tour, it was a bit like it 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 wasn't so kind of like it, it wasn't being so starstruck, if that makes sense. Yeah, because like we'd seen them in a in a different environment, but um, I don't know with with like players like people who I think the most kind of like uh, flawed I've been by watching like any uh, like guitarist I've toured with is probably uh, Brian or like from Avenged or uh, Sinister Gates. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's right, right, yeah, he is phenomenal. Like. He's so good. I remember, like, we did a tour which was uh, them headlining, Mike M as main support, and that's opening. And we played, but we played to, like, 20 people in Florida. <laughs> like, really? kind of just, like, doing these, like, tiny little dive bars, hardly anybody turning up. And I can remember just watching him play and just being like, yeah, he's at a level. I don't think I'll, like, no matter how much I practice, I'll never get to that level. He's He's ridiculous. And that was like that was being starstruck by a peer. Do you know what I mean? Somebody who at the same time was kind of doing the same thing as what we were doing, but it was just yeah. like he's yeah, just inhuman. Flawless, I viewed. Just purely flaw it's like is is the way he's playing is just so at ease. That's what um 
couple of people have told me a similar story to him. So that's um, where, like, they've seen him even on a tour bus just shredding and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck is that? And that's yeah, almost yeah. just like, yeah, it, it just, you know, it almost, you, you're fucking staring because you're like, did you just do that? And then he'll do it again, and it's just so fucking easy yeah. to him, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. There's like, uh, yeah, I can remember it wasn't so much when he was playing, it was more when he was song checking. It was just like, it was yeah, just absurd. It's like you you, you see loads of guitarists like kind of play like it now because they're influenced mm. by him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, course, but yeah, yeah, he's but he's instantly recognisable as well. Like you know, whenever you hear his playing, you instantly know it's an Avenged song. Yeah, yeah, I agree yeah, with yeah. that. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Um, Definitely so got you... own sound. Oh, totally, man. I mean that whole era, and it's mad to say yeah. that you just played a club yourself my chemical yeah. romance and them to like 30 people in florida that's just fucking <laughs> yeah man, <laughs> I, like, like i can remember we did a uh and we did a show with my chem just before uh they did the uh the video for i'm not okay okay and, yeah, yeah. uh it was in uh tallahassee i think the, the uh, we were playing and it was literally the smallest club and like the sound was so bad that our sound guy, like Sean at the time, the the promoter, like sorry, the the promoter for the show was just like nobody can get a good sound here. I'm gonna have to do your sound. <laughs> so we were paying our sound engineer to not do our sound while somebody else was like basically the promote promoter of the show was doing it because he was just like this venue's terrible. It sounds awful, and yeah, I think they were like there must have been. It's probably like a hundred and fifty cap room, and probably like thirty people in there. Fuck it, hell. And then by the by the time we finished that tour that we were on, because we left we left that run and kind of I think we joined Story of the Year. Okay. Like, by the time we got to LA, which is obviously the other side of America, like Mike M was the biggest band on the planet. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was just mad. in like such a short period of time we'd gone from playing with them to like 30 people to suddenly like yeah they were like literally the the hottest band in the world yeah because this is similar yeah similar to you guys really where like i said for for us in wales it might have been something cooking up, up london and stuff but like all of a sudden bang your videos were dropping and you guys exploded and it was a complete scene um and then yeah same with my chemical romance i remember that it was like i think it was like a video or something oh, and, oh we just lost him but there a sec uh two seconds everybody uh chris will come back now that's an amazing story that is oh mate the, um, tallahassee in florida 30 people leaving the tour joining the story of the year tour in la and then by the time they finished that all my chem are the biggest one of the biggest bands in the world. Well, yeah, if you what look at all three bands, happen? look look at all three bands on that bill to how many records yeah. they sold to where they've played globally. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. That's that's unreal yeah. to hear that. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, fucking yeah. hell, what would a ticket cost you to see that lineup now? Like, do you know what I mean? It's uh, oh, I know, Christ, I need to think. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Like I said, a scene that well, influenced so many people as well. Like, well, it was the old sort of Taste of Chaos tour as well, wasn't it? Which funeral headlined? Um, yeah, Story of the Year on there, Kill Switch. Oh, there he is, man. Yeah, yeah so we were guys. Just... We were, no saying, we were just oh, saying yeah. that's an unreal, um, unreal story. The fact of, 
like you know that three you three bands on that lineup um you know fucking hell the amount of people who would buy a ticket and and frighteningly how, how much they would pay for a ticket to see those those three names mm. on a poster now like you know it's um it's unreal especially like the amount of records you've all sold the, the amount of fucking hell that's and un, that's unbelievable yeah it's it's a mad thing isn't it it's like kind of i uh it's one of those things that i look back on and kind of particularly seeing what's kind of avenged and my cam have gone on to do as well and just like thinking back to those those kind of like that run of dates that we done playing kind of like to basically no one and like you know the people who were there were interested but like it's you know and, and loved it but just yeah it's nuts to think Absolutely so how, how long was like, how long was that tour in terms of dates before was, you it, left left that run of dates so it was only a short run because I think if I can remember we had done uh, we had done Bamboozle Festival or Skate and Surf they were both at Asbury Park in New Jersey I can't remember which right. one it was but we were basically going kind of like going down the southeast and it was just a run of dates that we, we could do together so I think we did like I think it was maybe like 10 or 12 and then right, we right. all we kind of all split off into our our own kind of like into our like whatever tours we were going to join. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that like the, the next time we went back to America, I can remember like Avenge and Justin. Uh, was it was it City of Evil? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they were massive, <laughs> and it was like. Yeah, it's just it, it was such a a nuts thing to kind of to think that we we did these little dive bars, you know, and then like suddenly the the, the next time I saw Mike M in the states, they were like headlining a, a fifteen thousand capacity arena in LA. <laughs> and I think there was, but I think there was six months between it as well. <laughs> Unreal. You can't even buy a house in this country within six months now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that really puts it into perspective. You know what I mean? You can't, can you? You know? <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier, like I said, it's, it's 20 years. Uh, it's coming up to the 20-year anniversary, which is incredible. And um, we said about the band disbanded in 2016. It was a time for you to recap and and really kind of look at everything that you you did. Um, and then we were privileged. We were part of your you 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 did a charity show for for Big Stew. Um, yeah. That would have been 2019. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was uh, it was October as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so it, yeah. it's almost almost two years ago now. Yeah, I mean, we were chuffed a bit uh, individually and collectively. Just. It was an amazing cause. It was a sad cause, um, but it was great to see you guys as well. I mean, it was a really special moment, man. Was was, was that awesome for for the amount of time you guys have been apart to kind of get back? Um, or was it you know mixed feelings because of the event? Or um, yeah, it's a bit of both. I think I can remember like you know we we all had uh, me and Ryan in particular had conversations because we had kind of like kept in in touch with Stu and. Um, I remember being being in work and Brian uh, asking me because I hadn't seen his his post saying that he had been given a like a terminal diagnosis, yeah. and uh, I remember Ryan being like, you know, we've got to do something, we've got to do something for her, and mm. uh, yeah, it was just like speaking to the boys, they all 
everyone agreed. We were all shitting ourselves about playing the show because, you know, we kind of, when we, when we finished Funeral, the intention was that we, we had finished it. It was mm-hmm. done. We, we weren't, we, we had no intention of playing any more shows. We had no intention of kind of resurrecting the band in any way or, or like for anything in particular. It was just, and, you know, uh, I can remember kind of putting it to the boys, like saying, look, you know, if the best thing we can do is, is to make a difference and be the place and shows. And obviously everyone agreed. And it was that thing then of talking about how do we go about the lineup? Because obviously we've had several different lineups for the band. And obviously it made, it was just like, look, you know, we're, Darren's got to do it. Ryan's got to do it. Gavin Rich have to be there, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, but it'd been, I think there was that, that slightly kind of, bittersweet slightly melancholy kind of moment where you know you you walk into a room and you see people that like you know i, I love the boys in my band like you you, you know what that's like right your yeah. family yeah and and sort of like having not seen darren and ryan in particular for so long you know i hadn't seen matt since the last show because obviously he lives in germany and, and everything it was kind of there was a moment of walking into the room and seeing seeing everyone and just being this like you know uh such an overwhelming kind of thing to see people you care so much about but the kind of you know at the same time doing it because the reason you're there is because of something so sad yeah yeah you know, yeah but uh yeah the shows were i don't think any of us actually anticipated them them being kind of well them going the way they did I'd probably say that like those those three shows for the entire time that I've been in in funeral they they are my favorite three shows we've ever played. Well, like I said, we were honored because we were there. Um, mm-hmm. We were there for the the, the Shepherd's Bush. Um, yeah, which was just like it was just amazing, man. It was like it was watching your buddies on. We, we would take it back three sixty to like the jam nights and that. If you take the essence from that of watching your friends performing and and enjoying it you know what i mean the smiles the arm around each other it was just so it was pure and emotional i think all of us said that and the crows when we um when we left and we were driving home and stuff we were like fuck that was an emotional show like you know and um yeah i mean the good thing is i think a topic came up which we were like do you reckon they'll do any more <laughs> And it was like, nah, nah, they're done. And like some yeah. of us had spoken to Ryan, or we'd spoken to you, or or whatever. No, 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 it was only for this. And and you know that's that's the. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom! It's like, um, the download thing was was announced. <laughs> it was like, oh, wicked! Fuck, they they're playing download. And then the tour, um, which we were yeah. like, oh, this is amazing. And then fucking COVID happened to the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> um, and, you know, the same with any band who had plans and the momentum starting to build and and, and the fans are buying the tickets, which was incredible. Um, everything kind of halted and then it started coming back and you'd, you'd download pilots and that. And then what I loved, um, which I think we've got a clip which we're going to run now, is you guys, which I seen the other week, you were asked to perform a special guest on Slam Dunk, um, which just looked incredible. Let's have, let's have a look at this video. Is it playing? Hang on. (laughs) 
I love it's like Wayne's World, isn't it? Like Wayne's World. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, that was wow. <laughs> Chris, incredible. Chris, how was your neck the morning oh, after that? So um well I felt like I'd been in a car crash. But uh I, I'd actually got ejected from the back of a golf cart <laughs> at the end of the show. So um because obviously the band were all traveling down to London. I was uh Obviously, had sorry uh, heading back to Wales. I was heading back to London, so I went to the production office, got a lift because the train station is right by Hatfield, and mm. I jumped in the you know the back seats of the golf buggies. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So not the ones facing the driver, the ones facing out. Facing, yeah. And he, he took this like really slow turn, coming like literally. I, this has nothing to do with the show, but it's all, it's why I felt so bad the day after. I I think. <laughs> But he took this, like, he just reversed out really slowly, and then he just literally slammed his foot down and threw me out the back <laughs> of the golf cart. <laughs> Gone, like... So I had all my bags on me, all my luggage, yeah. and I was, like, running after him, stop, stop! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I had, uh, I had a hell of a bang over, I. Is uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely felt my age like after those two shows. How how did it feel as well, man? Because that would have been your first one, obviously since the was that the first gig since the Stew gig, or yeah, yeah, totally. It was uh, um, I don't know. It's it's weird because with festivals, there's like if you do your own shows, you know that everybody yeah. in the room generally. Like they they're there because they like your band. When you're doing a festival, it's it's different because you, you don't know how many people like you, how many people don't care for you, or anything else. Um, and also the fact that we had like so few days to rehearse for, it. yeah, because yeah. obviously we're like trying to tie her in with everything that everybody's got going on in their lives now, but also with the math flying over and COVID restrictions and everything else that, that like Matt had to do. So we ended up doing uh, like three days rehearsals, which kind of like turned into two and a half. So before the first show in Leeds, I was absolutely crapping myself. It was just like, you know, I, I didn't feel confident going on. And then I just remember walking out and like literally playing probably the first like 16 seconds of Rookie of the Year and just being, it, it just felt 
comfortable and like the response of the crowd was insane it, they were so loud they were louder than what we were yeah. which was yeah. which is nuts when you're playing and you can physically hear an audience above what you were playing and you were playing at an incredibly loud volume <laughs> yeah it yeah it was mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing that's that that's the thing man it's such a i think they've been busting for it the same as musicians been dying to get back and jam if mm-hmm. you know if, if you've missed that moment or um we we witnessed that between the download and it, whether it be a, a big gig or a small gig whatever the environment has been the crowd are just so up for it which is amazing you know music fans are absolutely loving um and i seen the videos of slam dunk i was just like oh my god they're incredible like you know yeah, it's like, but you know, I watched, uh, I watched Loathe, I watched Holding Absence, I watched While She Sleeps, and yeah, they were uh, like every band. The response was was incredible. Do you know what I mean? I just think right. uh, I think people people have definitely. There we are. The old back to back. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so classic. Here's the boys. Yeah, is the boys, man. There we are. I've an age today. Look at us. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. I just think that like music and particularly live music has been massively missed, hasn't it? Immensely, man. I mean, like I said, our first one back uh, properly uh, was the the download, and that was just like yeah. That I, I, funny enough, I'm glad you said that because I had the same vibe as you. The first like going into the song, I was just like fuck. I, you know, I I'm not fucking nervous by you, and I've I've never been nervous. But mm-hmm. um, but then yeah, when you hear the, the crowd sing back and you see the reaction, it was just like right, game on. Um, mm-hmm. and then you're in the moment, uh, which is which is where every one of us want to be. Like you know, you don't want to be looking at it, you don't want to be moaning about it. You you want to be in that moment. And um, yeah, yeah, it was it was just fantastic. And I that I was curious with that, especially like you know, you you just been a dad. Um, and then all of a sudden now you're back out in the fucking stage and you, you know, this it's there, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, uh, well, it, it, it's definitely kind of, I, I came home and then like the, the following day is my day that kind of, I, I look after my son. So I have two days off in the week, you know, my, my wife has him, uh, we're together, but like the way we split our weeks up is that, uh, he has like two days in nursery. So uh, it was like the day after the shows was my day yeah. to have him. So it's kind of, I went from doing that, it's straight back to just being, being a dad, <laughs> which was like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. With a bad neck. Like, oh yeah. With a, <laughs> with a, with bad, a really neck. bad neck. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I can't move. <laughs> and, I, and I look at that photo over there and, and like you all look dashing fair play to you. And um, obviously the, the tour bus is in the background, which is, yeah. which is immense. Um, and that reminds me of a story I've I've been told oh, about you, um, yeah. which I've got to bring up on Crowcast. And you you're your side of it. Um, you had a, you had an amazing birthday, didn't you, with Funeral for a Friend many years ago? Yeah, it was it wasn't an important one. It was my thirtieth, so you know, not a big deal. <laughs> like I weren't told that. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you know, it's just just a small one, you know, not a. Uh, not like not a, not a not a real marker in time or anything. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we are uh, bastards. So what happened then? <laughs> we uh, so I can't remember the reason, but we we 
we were we were doing a, a tour with the blackout and we were doing a bus share with the guys and we'd been on tour for Christ, it, it must have been about six weeks at this point. And for, I can't remember the exact reason, but the last two days of the tour got cancelled. And I was right. like, oh, that kind of, okay, like we, we're going to go home early. And I was like, okay, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm knackered. I, I'm like, wherever. I, I, I want to go home. So we're all, for this, I can't remember what it, for what reason, but we had to go into Paris because we didn't play Paris, but we had to go into Paris. So it was to do with the driver's hours. So we went into Paris. We all kind of spent a couple of hours going around kind of, you know, around the city, had a bit to eat, wherever, all got back on the bus to leave. And then we get we literally just stopped at a service station just outside of Paris <laughs> so that the driver can refuel. We all get off the bus and we all... We all go and kind of like use the toilet, get some snacks, get some bits and bobs. And I'm kind of out of the toilet, and all I can see is the bus driving off. And I'm just like, uh, there's there's a boys man, you know, taking the piss. It's my birthday, pretending to leave without me, you know. Yeah, right, though. And then I actually just like, I didn't bother running after them because I thought, oh, they're going to stop now and all jump out and be like, ah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And they didn't. They just turned onto the motorway. And just oh, fucked shit. off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I literally, I kept, I was like ringing and ringing and ringing, ringing our tour manager, and he had gone to bed. And so, like, he didn't pick up. I tried ringing Gav, I tried ringing Ryan, I tried ringing all the boys. Nobody, nobody bothered answering their phones because I think they were all just sat in the back of the lounge watching a film or having a drink, listening to music, whatever. <laughs> And I'm just, I'm literally at the service station on my own. I just turned 30. And I'm like, right, well, at least I got my card on me. So I got got some money with me. So I'm like, right, I'm going to buy a beer. And I'm going to buy Monster Munch, which are the European Monster Munch. You know, the little ghost faces. Like, they look like yeah, Pac-Man yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah. So I got a pack of those, like the salted ones and a, some... Uh, Jupiter or whatever kind of beer I've got. Fuck yeah, yeah. I just sat there drinking. I'm thinking, right, one of them will call me back. They'll call me back. And it was about three and a half hours went by. And literally, it was like, still hadn't heard from anyone. And it was when they got to Cali. No they way. actually got to Cali. And yeah. they, uh, they, when Rich went to check that I was in my bunk, like our tour manager at the time saw that I wasn't. <laughs> and then called me, and I was like, yeah, I'm still at the service station in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to wait another three another three hours or so for him to drive all the way back to come and get me. And I was like, um, yeah, I was like. I bet yeah, you were not- livid. No, I had a wonderful time. I was, uh, I was I had beer, and I had uh, salted Monster Munch. I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Take, it's taken me a decade to get over it, but yeah, that was, yeah, that was, uh, that's probably not like how I would have wanted to spend my 30th. <laughs> you know, yeah. Stranded on my own in a, in a service yeah. station. Where, Services. I think yeah. our sources said at the time, it was the fact that you, you came up in a conversation or they needed to ask you something. And they were like, I wasn't seen Chris, he's in his bunk. And then they went to check on you and you weren't there and they were like, oh shit. <laughs> No, bollocks, it weren't even that. They'd actually, it weren't, they got to Cali. 
they got to where they were going. And it was Rich was checking that, that we were all on board, ready for the morning, when he realised I weren't there. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so, <laughs> shit, you know. So, uh, oh. yeah, the, ev- literally, mate, the, everybody just, like, scarpered and hid when, by the, when I got back on that bus. They were, like... Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. All hiding in their bunks, even Sean, of, of all people. Sean Smith was hiding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant. I love her. I love her. Yeah. It's a memory. I mean, you can look back and laugh now at the time. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> can I yeah, look back man. and laugh? Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm slight. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's nothing Brilliant. that says you know you are, you know you know your friends when they they don't notice you're missing and it's your birthday. Birthday. <laughs> 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 oh Jesus Christ! That's fucking brilliant, mate. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on tonight, Chris. Honestly, oh, man, it's, it's a pleasure, yeah, man. Thank you, buddy. No, I really Thanks. ask because we haven't seen you for a long time, and when we do, sometimes it's passing. Which um, mm-hmm. we'll, I think everybody we see, we seem to be bumping into now. We spend a lot more time with and appreciate that as well. Like you know, so definitely looking forward to that with you as well, mate. Definitely, man. That's awesome. It's been uh, yeah, it's been good to catch up with you boys. Definitely, I know well as well. Yeah, it's fingers crossed. Everything seems to be going great, and now everything's picking up a bit more. It's we're back on that that track of where you were. You know, you're starting to see that two year calendar, which I never thought I'd say is an absolutely amazing <laughs> thing. It's amazing yeah. to see that two year calendar. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, yeah, it's great, man. And like I said, we're up your neck of the woods a lot more now when we lied. I got to be careful because mm-hmm. as I start to speak, you have to remember that what you're saying is fucking going out. So it's that whole, yeah. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't give that away. Um, but we will see you soon. And, Just message um, me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and send me that are. photo of your brother as well. I'm counting on that. Oh yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to dig that out for you. He like he love that. Ah, it's amazing. Cool. Absolutely amazing. But yeah, thank you so much for spending time Thanks, with us. I'm gonna see you soon. All, all right. the best. You're welcome, the guys. All the well. best. Nice one. Cheers, dude. All Take the best, care. Guys. Cheers, Chris. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!